You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Someone comes along and tries to lead people astray from worshiping the one true living God, God said someone to disrupt their plans. And we've read it all along. We, we've read it all the way from the book of Judges. We read it time and time and time again, how the children of Israel would be taken away and they would be worshiping other gods. And all of a sudden they would realize their ways and God would send in a judge who would lead them back to him. And he continually does that. Believers in God can sometimes feel alone and isolated in a culture of darkness. When you see the world as it is, you may feel like God has lost control. Well, today, Pastor Dave teaches that when society is falling into sin, God will send people in who will teach and convict of the Lord's will. God will never let His people fall away. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17 as he begins his message, Enter Elijah. Turn to 1 Kings 17. We're starting an exciting time for me. I I am excited to get into Elijah and and all that he accomplishes. And and just the the, it's an exciting thing because as we get into um, 1 Kings towards the end, there's a lot of things going on. And then, of course, Elisha in 2 Kings. There's a lot of really interesting things. So if you've got to the first Kings 17. I'm going to do something different today than I usually do. I'm going to read the first seven verses of first Kings 17. So if you would um, read silently as I read aloud. First Kings 17, beginning in verse one. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Sherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the book Sharif, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Let's pray. Oh, gracious and heavenly Father, it is with excitement that I come to these passages But Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would quell my excitement and allow me, Lord, to step aside as you deliver these words and you deliver the message that you have on your mind. Lord, I ask that you would open up our hearts, Father God. So Father, I ask, Lord, that now you would open up our hearts to receive all that you have intended for them. Help us, Lord, to glean from these scriptures once again that which what you would mean to each of us individually, corporately. And Lord, continue to pour your love out upon us by your Holy Spirit. May we never, ever, ever reject, grieve, or quench your spirit, Father. 
May we just walk in that spirit in the newness of life that you've given us. So we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We went through the parade of kings. We watched as eight prospective kings each took his turn on the throne of his respective kingdom. There were basically six in Israel and two in Judah that we studied. And out of the eight kings, seven of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. Out of eight, seven of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. And only one did right in the sight of the Lord. However, even he failed completely to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Because remember, he did not tear down the high places. They made these high places where they could go and worship. They were supposed to worship in the temple. They were supposed to worship God in Jerusalem. You remember the conversation that the Samaritan woman had with Jesus about worshiping on that mountain. And she pointed to us. We worship on that mountain. But you Jews say we have to worship in Jerusalem in the temple. So they were worshiping in high places. And he allowed that. This was against God's law. So he compromised. And as we studied, each king seemed to outdo the other one. Each king was more evil than the next one. And they became more evil and more evil and more evil, especially in the northern kingdom of Israel, culminating with Ahab, who seemed to be the worst of the lot. He seemed to be the very worst of the lot. And in chapter 16, verses 31 and 33, we read this, that King Ahab permitted his wife, who was Jezebel, you'll hear more about her later as we get into 1 Kings with Elijah, he allowed her to bring the worship of Baal to the kingdom of Israel. And very much like Solomon, Ahab catered to his idolatrous wife. Remember, that is what led Solomon away from the Lord. He started letting his wives have their way with idols, and he became an idol worship himself, an idol worshiper. So he yielded to her desires. He even built her a private temple where she could worship Baal. Who was Baal? Well, he was a Phoenician fertility god. And he also was the god of weather. He, according to them, controlled the weather. And he controlled all things, even fertility. And those who worshipped him believed that he could send rain and make sure the crops would be bountiful. However, to serve him, you had to commit rites. And these rites that they committed during worship were unspeakably immoral. Baal worship was rooted in sensuality and involved ritualistic prostitution in the temples. And even at times, Baal required human sacrifice, and usually the firstborn when making petitions to him. This was a crucial time in the history of Israel, in the history of the nation, because Ahab and his wife Jezebel had an ulterior motive. Their goal was to force the people in Israel to worship Baal only. During the reign of Jeroboam, you remember when we studied this, the altars of God were torn down. He, he tore down the altars of God, and he made golden calves, and he put one up in Dan, and he left one in Bethel, and said to the people, Jerusalem's too far away for you to worship. Here, here are your gods. Go worship them. And now the prophets have been slain and and Ahab and Jezebel have just about eliminated Jehovah 
and the worship of Jehovah from the northern kingdom of Israel. It was a sad and terrible time. A dark, dark period in the history of the nation, let alone the kingdom of Israel. And remember, don't get confused. When I say Israel, I'm talking about the northern kingdom. And when I say Judah, I'm talking about the southern kingdom. Okay, Ten tribes to the north, two tribes to the south. As I said, it was a dark time, a dark period in the history of the nation. But God had other plans. I just love that. God always has another plan. And it's really interesting to me. And as I read through this, I was comforted. I was really comforted because whenever someone comes along and tries to lead people astray from worshiping the one true living God, God sends someone to disrupt their plans. And we've read it all along. We've read it all the way from the book of Judges. We read it time and time and time again, how the children of Israel would be taken away and they would be worshiping other gods. And all of a sudden, they would realize their ways and God would send in a judge who would lead them back to him. And he continually does that. Enter a man by the name of the Lord Jehovah is my God. We call him Elijah. That's what his name means, by the way. The Lord Jehovah is my God. He comes on the scene with a message of God and a warning from God for the people. And he suddenly appears on the scene. And just as suddenly as he comes, he leaves. And he goes away and doesn't come back for three years when he challenges the priest of Baal. So I really felt like we needed to figure out who the heck is this guy? Who is Elijah? Who who is he and, and what purpose does he serve here? Well, we know that he is a prophet that was sent by God. However, some people believe that he wasn't sent by God because we don't read that until the um, second verse, but he was sent by God. Now, Elijah is not the polished preacher that Isaiah was. He's not the smooth talker that Jeremiah was. He was more of a rough and tumble guy who came from the desert. And he came, and he had something to say. And he wanted to challenge the people to put away their idols, especially Baal, and turn back to the one true living God. He's going to confront wicked Ahab. He's going to confront Jezebel. Although he's going to become afraid of her and run away. (laughs) He is going to run away at one point. But he will personally rebuke their sin. And he will also challenge the priests of Baal to a public contest. And that is so exciting when we get to that point. Elijah was not only a worker of miracles. Elijah experienced miracles in his own life. Chapters 17 and 18 record seven different miracles that Elijah performed or experienced personally. Here's a quick note. Elijah becomes an important figure and is interwoven through not only the Old Testament... But the New Testament, Malachi, the prophet, prophesies that Elijah will come before the Messiah. And you can read that in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. So Elijah is supposed to come before the Messiah. Remember when we studied? Many thought that John the Baptist was Elijah. Remember? Some even thought that Jesus was Elijah. Remember? We we talked about that. But Jesus tells us in Luke 1, 17... That John the Baptist came in what? The spirit and power of Elijah. 
He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Why? Because he made straight the path to the Lord. He proclaimed Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So he was fulfilling Elijah's role. Elijah, if you don't know it, I'm sure you do because you guys are great Bible students. Elijah appears with Moses and Jesus where? The Mount of Transfiguration. Remember Peter? It's good for us to be here, Lord. It's great for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. It's good for us to be here. And when he looks up, they're gone. Many people believe, because of this, many people believe that Elijah will be one of the two witnesses that can be found in Revelation 11. Many people believe, because the Elijah, we'll find, never dies. Elijah never dies dies. It's interesting. An interesting note, and I found this really fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. Because of the prophecy that Elijah will come first, because of the prophecy that Elijah will come first, do you know that at every Passover Seder that the Jews have, they leave an empty chair for Elijah? They leave an empty chair for Elijah because they want him to come because they know he will precede the Messiah. So they welcome him. They have a chair set up for him. The table's already concerned. So as we begin our study tonight, this is a most interesting character, and I think it's one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. In fact, James describes this man as having like passions. James describes this man having like passions just like ours. Elijah was a man of faith. He was a God-fearing man. And God uses him mightily in a time when the two kingdoms were in great distress and being led far away from the Lord. Elijah is used strongly. We all want to be used by God. Every one of us wants to be used by God. If you don't, I wonder why. We all want to be used by God. But when we look at Elijah, what do you think? Superhero. I mean, he runs around with a great E on his chest for Elijah. He's a superhero. We think he's one superhero. I mean, what do you read when you think of Peter? How when, when, when his shadow passed by, people were healed. What do you think of Paul with his sweatbands and his aprons that they touched people and they were healed? How about Daniel interpreting dreams and he was delivered from the lion's den and all those things he happened? We hold these men in awe. We hold them in awe. As if they were something special or super. We wouldn't dare cut in front of them in line. We wouldn't even burp in their presence. These guys were elevated to some sort of superhuman category. We probably don't even think they go to the bathroom. I mean, look at them. Ooh. You know what? Most of the time, we are the ones that disqualify ourselves from God's service. We disqualify ourselves from God's service because we're human. No less human than Moses. I'm not eloquent, Lord. I have a speech problem. I really can't go to the Egyptians. I can't talk to them. How about Jeremiah? Lord, I'm just too young. You know, we all make excuses as to why we think the Lord can't use us. I mean, after all, we get hungry, we get tired, we get discouraged, we get angry, we get scared. Like I said, even Elijah is going to run into a cave when he is hiding from Jezebel. Even Elijah is going to run into a cave. So what kind of man does God use? What kind of man does God use? We say, wow, he's a hero. He called fire down from heaven and, 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 and toasted Baal's sacrifice. He prayed 
And it stopped raining for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the rain came. We need to remember one thing, and this is extremely important. And if you remember one thing about message or study or whatever you want to call it, Elijah was a man just like we are. He was a human being just like us. Just like us. He got discouraged. He got hungry. He got tired. He got upset. He got scared. He was a man. You see, God uses plain and ordinary people just like you and I. He uses plain and ordinary people. Paul, they said, was not only willful, but it was some say he was ugly. Peter had a bad temper. God doesn't always use the beautiful people. Sometimes he uses nerds like me. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. God wants to use you. Have you made yourself available to him? Availability is an important criteria when we want to be used by God. Are you available to God? Give God a chance in your life. Make your life available to him. If, if you will just use what God has for you, then he's going to use you more. If you would live up to what he's given you. We've talked about this time and time again. I use this scripture over and over and over. You're probably going to throw something at me when I use it again. Second Chronicles 16. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the land for someone whose heart he can show himself strong on his behalf. He's looking for a heart. Looking for a heart for you. Come on. That's what he's looking for. God can use you in prayer if nothing else. The Bible says, put yourself to prayer. Give yourself to prayer. James said that Elijah prayed effectually fervent. He had an effective, a fervent prayer. When you get discouraged and give, I want to give up, pray. When you get scared, you want to hide, pray. What, what you do, you pray and then you watch what God can do. You pray and then watch what God can do. So this is the type of man Elijah was. And we all should be Elijahs. We all should be Elijahs because we have a heart for God. We should all have a heart for God and want to be used by God in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Nothing should hold you back. Nothing should hold you back. Nothing. So as we begin chapter 17, we meet this man of God by the name of Elijah. Verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Elijah the Tishbite came from Gilead. What in the snot is a Tishbite? I'll tell you, I've never heard of that name. Anyhow, the word is rendered inhabitants, and it's the original word that's rendered Tishbite. Hence, you could read that Elijah the Tishbite was from Tishbe in Gilead. Some interpret it as saying stranger. Elijah indeed was a stranger. Nobody knew who he was. All of a sudden, he appears on the scene. He's just here. Come on. We've been studying 16 chapters in 1 Kings. And all of a sudden, Elijah the Tishbite came to Ahab and said this. Where'd he come from? You have to, we have to think about that. At least I do. But the destination was probably given to the prophet as denoting his birthplace, which probably was Tishbe, which is in Upper Galilee. And he is mentioned in the apocryphal book of Tobit. But for some reason, he migrated to Galilee. Josephus, the great Jewish historian said this. 
He supposed that Tishbe was someplace in the land of Gilead. It has been identified by some with El Ishtib, a place 22 miles due south of the Sea of Galilee among the mountains of Gilead. But Elijah is a stranger. Nobody knows who the heck this guy is. He comes out of nowhere. He goes into the palace. He gets before King Ahab, the most wicked king ever to rule Israel. And he says, it's not going to rain for three years. (laughs) In the darkest days of Israel history, a man of God, a stranger, comes from a desert place into the court of the king and said, As the Lord lives. That's an interesting statement. Why do you think he said that? As the Lord lives. Well, it's powerful because it is said that Ahab and his wife have been telling people that God had died. Ahab and his wife have been trying to get them all to worship Baal. What better way to get somebody to worship something else when you tell them that which they were worshiping is dead? So that's why he said, as the Lord lives. Imagine the surprise on Irma. What do you mean lives? I thought you said he was dead. No, I didn't. You said he was dead. They've been telling people that God had abandoned Israel because of their sin. Remember, Israel is the northern country. Remember, Baal was the god of weather, specifically rain. Elijah burst in. He, he burst into the, to the courtroom and he says, Ahab, it ain't going to rain no more, no more. It ain't. No, he didn't say that. I don't know. I don't think he said that, but you know. If you can't have fun with this stuff, come on. Come on. What can we say about Elijah? What are some of the things we can say about Elijah? Well, number one, he had a heart for the things of God. Elijah had a heart for the things of God. He knew God's name was being blasphemed in Israel. He knew that God's word was being ignored, and he knew that the people had turned from God and are now worshiping foreign gods, Baal specifically. When everything, everyone thought that the Lord was dead, Elijah said, as the Lord lives. Why? Because God was the supreme reality of Elijah's life. Elijah prayed to God. He prayed to God, and God answered his prayer in a mighty way. Maybe you have a heart for our country, but your heart for God is bigger than your heart for our country. I hope it is. I hope your heart for our country is not bigger than your heart for God. Our country, in our country today, the name of God, Jehovah, is being blasphemed. It's being blasphemed. His word is being ignored. When, when people are turning to false gods, other religions, and they're looking all over the place for something to worship... We worship the one true living God. We need to tell people this is the the truth. We have the truth right in our hands. There is child sacrifice happening on a daily basis. Baby after baby after baby after baby is being aborted. That's nothing more than blatant child sacrifice. Call it what you want. He prayed. He prayed in faith. My charge to you Pray in faith and watch what God can do. Pray in faith and watch what God does. You are a sure.
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 1 Kings, we read about rulers who had victories and rulers who failed miserably. King Solomon, known as the wisest king, made his own fair share of mistakes in his life. In fact, in his later years, he began to put his faith in wealth and women rather than wisdom of the Lord. How often do we do that? How often do we put our faith in the worldly things rather than in the Word of God? If you have some questions about what you heard today, we'd be happy to try to answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the Messages tab when you visit AssureHopeRadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Each Sunday, we gather at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find directions and more about Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at AssureHopeRadio.com. There's more to learn from the Book of 1 Kings next time, so be sure to join us again right here on Assure Hope.